On today's episode of the On Texan Podcast, things the Texans can do against Russell Wilson to find success. We got to look at the DB matchup for the Texans and how they're going to, you know, try to continue the game and stopping the wide receivers for the Denver Broncos. And we also look at the timetable on when Garrett Waller returns, should return. Cody, let's go ahead and start the show for this Wednesday. You are locked on Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Brightco Jewelry and Insurance on Watch Insurance. Brightco brings you comprehensive, fast, and affordable jewelry insurance for as low as $5 per month. Check out your special offer for our Locked On listeners and get covered in under two minutes at brightco.com forward slash locked on. That is brightco.com forward slash locked on. I'm John Hickman. This is Cody Davis. We will be discussing Russell Wilson. We will be discussing, as I mentioned, the DBs, but against the Broncos wide receivers. But, and I, I, I want to say something really quick. Watch how many times, guys. Cody and I may stutter and say Russell Wilson <laughs> playing for the Seahawks because, as you know, the Broncos took on the Seahawks on Monday Night Football, and it was just kind of weird. I, like, and then hearing Seattle boom, and I feel that like was a lot wrong. Of Seattle fans, that was wrong. They, that I feel like did a lot of them still blame him for ending the dynasty that they could have built because Pete Carroll called what he called against the Patriots, and it's not I, his fault. I truly believe that. However, we did hear from Justin Britt on Tuesday. Had a couple of good takeaways that I feel like we need to discuss very briefly. Uh, Justin Britt talked about some of his struggles with the offensive line. And he did mention that he wanted to get more uh, production in the run game. And the reason why he said that it may have not have been there, he acknowledged that he was a bit out of control in terms of being aggressive with this being his first live rep after not playing in the preseason. And he wasn't thrilled whenever he watched film. Cody, this is something that we have talked about on and off camera multiple times, whether it had been at NRG, whether right before we clicked on to record, the Houston Texans did not do themselves a, a good service. They did a disservice to themselves for not playing healthy players in the preseason like they should have. Now, the first sign was it we talked about how Damian Pierce, we had no clue why he didn't play in a preseason game two Mm -hmm. as a rookie running back. And then you come out in in game one and your excuse for not having him on the field was, well, you didn't feel like he can do certain things. Well, maybe he could have learned those things in some live reps. But Justin Britt and Laramie Tunsil was the two offensive linemen for the Houston Texans that did not play in the preseason Justin Britt just missing why he didn't like his well, like his uh, product that he put out on the field on Sunday, but not playing in the preseason. Cody, your thoughts? It's what I said two, three weeks ago. Like, remember, John, listeners of it was going back to that game against the San Francisco 49ers. I came on this show and I even wrote about it on Sports Illustrated and I said, the Texans have to make sure that they play all of their healthy players, and even when you take a look at what Lovey Smith is trying to do on the defensive side of the ball with his play caller, what, of course, what is Pep Hamilton trying to do on the offensive side of the ball with his, with his play caller? 
that last preseason game could have worked wonders for the Houston Texans to where all the mistakes or majority of the mistakes that took place on Sunday would not have would ha- would not have happened especially when you hear Justin Britt say that you know there was a lot of miscommunications going on on the offensive line and it was due to the fact that they did not get no type of live reps in all three preseason games i get it those games don't count towards the records but at the end of the day that is the time that is the moment where it's very important for these players to go out there and establish camaraderie establish communication establish themselves in game shape and when game shape i'm also talking about laramie tonsil I mean, he had a, a decent day, but he could have been better as well. And you're talking about a guy who hasn't played a real football game in general since week five against the New England Patriots. And by the way, John, I know you're sick of me talking about week five against the New England Patriots, but it seems like everything always goes back to that game. And of course, that's the game where Laramie Tunsil hurt his hand and we did not see him on the field no more until Sunday. John, I I truly believe that this organization really messed up by not playing, not just healthy players, but their most important players. Because at the end of the day, it didn't matter if it was against the New Orleans Saints, the Los Angeles Rams, or the San Francisco 49ers. Had the Texans went out there and actually used one of those games as one of the 17 games, this team will be in better shape today. And the worst part about all this is I truly do believe that what Justin Britt said, especially not playing in the preseason, is not going to be the last time we hear that excuse. I do want to continue with Justin Britt. He said that I thought until late in the game our protection was doing pretty well. Biggest thing for me personally and as a group is consistency for the whole 60 minutes. And I think that speaks directly to what you were saying. You got a couple of guys that didn't play. You had a rookie left guard that was put into the game after the start of the game, came off the bench per se. Then you have Titus Howard who, I think Titus Howard had a fairly good game. There was a couple of moments where you maybe had scratched your head, but then you also have AJ Ken who tailed off towards the end of the game. And I think a lot of it has to do with communication and understanding their assignments and execution. Not understanding the assignments. They know what they have to do. It's pretty simple as an offensive lineman at times. Not calling it the easiest job, but the ex- execution wasn't there for the Texans' offensive line up front. He did mention Russell Wilson talked about how much they had a relationship off the field, how close their family was, was excuse me, uh, the birthdays that they would share, and all of the memories and friendship that he has outside of their building. So I wanted to use that to transition over to Russell Wilson, who plays now for the Denver Broncos. Hmm. It's just crazy. (laughs) Uh, On Monday night, Russell Wilson, 29 of 42 from the field for 340 yards, one touchdown, had an average of 3.04 seconds to throw. Now we got to talk about what the Houston Texans can do to beat one of the best quarterbacks in the league and what are some of the ways to beat one of the best quarterbacks in the league when you're taking on a Russell Wilson. Well, the Texans may really want to explore more inside gap blitzes and just creating more pressure in the middle to kind of knock Russ Wilson off his game, force him out of the pocket, break him left. That may help the Houston Texans out. Russell is a player that can kind of create something out of nothing, but you never want to let a player like Russ Wilson get comfortable. You never want to let Russ Wilson have an opportunity to sit in the pocket and dissect your defense because once that happens, you got to look at the Denver Broncos as a team that if Russ is hot, then you got to expect the the running game to be very good against a Texan team who just gave up 
almost 170, uh, 80 yards. So uh, those are some of the things the Houston Texans can do. I do want to say this against the blitz. Russell Wilson threw 29 yards on three of six pass attempts. He was blitzed on 13% of his dropbacks and under pressure 31.1% of the time. The Houston Texans only blitzed on Sunday eight times. Again, this episode is brought to you by Brightco Jury and Watch Insurance. Listen, the best thing about Brightco is they are comprehensive, super quick, and better than everything, affordable. And you can get your jury insured as low as $5 per month. Check out your special offer for all of our Locked On listeners and get covered in under two minutes. That means if you're a quarterback and you get the ball back with 120 seconds, you have an opportunity to not only score a touchdown, but also you can get covered in under two minutes at brightcode.com forward slash locked on. Again, that is brightcode.com forward slash locked on. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Wednesday installment of Locked On Texans. And um, before moving forward, John, listeners and viewers, I think everybody owes Lovey Smith an apology if you didn't agree with that call on Sunday because Nathaniel Hackett, <laughs> you have, we could debate this, but in my eyes, a top 10 quarterback in the league, and you decide <laughs> to kick a 64, 63-yard field goal. You don't call a timeout. You literally run, runs 30 seconds off. But the fact that it was fourth and fifth, and you have Russell Wilson, a Hall of Fame quarterback, not a quarterback who's past his prom, not a quarterback like here in Houston where it's like, do we trust him, do we not? I don't know. But you decide to kick a field goal over 60 <laughs> yards. I'm happy because, you know, going into week two, the talk isn't whether or not Lovey Smith made the right decision. <laughs> uh, you know what? Just because one coach did something dumb or you don't agree with doesn't mean the next coach that kind of just like. If Russell Wilson free. was playing for the Texans, there's no way Smith is punting that ball. That's all I got to say. Let's talk about the skill players that the Denver Broncos are bringing in, man. Listen, the Texans DBs, the cornerbacks here, they will have a tough matchup on Sunday. And I think, again, as I mentioned before we closed out, this will be a great test for Derek Stingley. This will be a great test for Steven Nelson, who, by the way, Steven Nelson had a fairly good game on Sunday as well. I have the numbers right here. Steven Nelson only allowed 49 yards, four catches. Um, and, you know, I, I thought he did a very good job as a number two. At times, he looked like the number one cornerback here in Houston, which is fair. He's a, he's a veteran, and the number one cornerback is a rookie. But you got Jared Judy coming to town. You're going to be playing Jared Judy, rather, who now has a legit quarterback in Cortland Sutherland. Uh, Sutton, those two are great receivers, a great matchup. Um, and Wilson has averaged 21% of his passes to his tight ends. That number jumps to 27% in the red zone. So you're going up against a quarterback who we just talked about in the first segment who has some weapons and will find a way to get his tight ends involved somehow, some way. Again, I mentioned early on that Russ Wilson had an average of 3.04 yards, I mean seconds to throw the ball. 
He is known to extend plays with his legs. And on Monday night, he was flawless on third down. Went 12 or 14 for 199 yards and one TD. Hmm. So for the DBs, I think discipline is the number one priority. Right? So I go back to against the Colts where Matt Ryan, who has – I mean, he's 37, but his legs got to be like 54. And he was able to kind of break out and make a play. And he hit one of a one of his players downfield on a third down to extend that drive. And this was just like they 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 covered for five or six seconds at that point. Normally you're not trying to have your cornerbacks covered for that long, right? Um and Steven Nelson talked about Russell Wilson. Dual threat, he can create a lot of time. We have to cover a little bit longer on the back end, and he emphasized a different playing style than Matt Ryan. So discipline, hmm. discipline for these DBs, discipline for the rookie, discipline for Stephen Nelson, who's a veteran and understand that. Dif- uh, discipline for who else is a rookie, Jalen Petrie. By the way, Jalen Petrie missed four tackles on Sunday. He understands that he needs to clean that up, and I think a lot of those tackles, he was around the ball, he's a rookie. He'll get stronger. He'll get faster. He'll get quicker. He'll get to his spots better next time, and he'll learn from it, and he'll make the play. But uh, Jonathan Owens, who is not an experienced safety in this league, Jalen Petrie, who is a rookie safety in this league, all of those guys has to be disciplined. And the two DBs that I'm looking forward to seeing on Sunday as leaders on that field is Steven Nelson, but Desmond King. Desmond King was a part of this franchise last year. This is his second year under Lovey Smith playing in that defense. So I'm really looking forward to uh, Desmond King being more out there on the field more, being out there on the field more, excuse me, being more active as a leader on this defense. But I know this week they're preaching discipline. They're preaching your assignment. If that is your assignment, don't break that zone. Because the moment you break that zone, Kamu Gugier here, who had 18 tackles, but – there was left to be desired in terms of coverage. But the moment you break that zone, then you give a quarterback like Russell Wilson the opportunity to maybe scramble out, see that you're coming towards him, understand where the line of scrimmage is, and he's making a play over your head to his wide receiver or his tight end. They got to be disciplined. Without discipline, we can see this game get ugly fairly fast. Now, one thing I do like is Lovey Smith defense from what we've seen in the preseason and so far in this regular season, in game one at least, they have not been that undisciplined. They have had a, a, a bend don't break style of defense. This may be another opportunity for them to create those turnovers. The Broncos gave up two fumbles. They, you know, get the momentum on their go, on on their side. Excuse me, guys, but get the momentum on their side. But overall, you cannot allow plays like Russell Wilson can make, where it's just like if all else fails, I can make something happen. Stay where you're supposed to be at. And John, what I like that you did there, you mentioned Desmond King, who is the primary slot corner for this organization. And I think that is where the Houston Texans, they may have a chance to win this game because, look, everyone knows what to expect out of Court and Sutton. Everyone knows what to expect out of Jerry Judy. But at the end of the day, you taking a look at a guy in K.J. Hamler, a guy who started off his career really, really good back in 2020 during his rookie campaign. Last year, he got hurt. I believe he had like an ACL or MCL tear that knocked him out for a majority of the entire season. And 
This is a guy, not only is he coming back healthy, but he is also coming back with a better quarterback. And I do believe if the Texans are not able to slow down KJ, I do believe that is where he could become a primary X factor for the Denver Broncos, especially with Russell Wilson as your quarterback. Now, I know with Jerry Judy and Courtney Sutton, you messing with a whole new different type of monster. I like the fact that a guy like Derek Stingley Jr. will be going up against Cortland in his second NFL game because the one thing I've been saying about Derek Stingley, the faster he can get accustomed to playing um, football on the NFL level, the better he's going to be throughout his career. The better he, the better he is throughout his career, the better this defense can be. The better this defense to be, hopefully, the better this team can be. And I really do think those two guys are going to cancel each other out. And the same thing goes for Steven Nelson and Jerry Judy. But, John, when, when I take a look at who Russell Wilson could possibly use as an X factor, KJ scares me. Because, once again, I know last year was a lost year because of his injury year. But this is a guy who started off being a very promising slot receiver for that organization. And there's a reason why he's still here today. Again, I wouldn't get too scared of KJ Hamler. And I'll tell you why. When the... Seattle Seahawks and the Broncos met up three of four Judy, uh, Jerry Judy's catches, including that 67-yard touchdown. He was lined up in the slot, and he was mainly featured in the slot for the Broncos. And so this is where we get the interesting conversation. Remember the phone call at draft night? Mm-hmm. You will follow the number one receiver. Well, who's the number one receiver right now for the Denver Broncos? Of course we want to say it's going to be Jerry Judy. Corlin Sutton is a damn good receiver. I mean, Corlin just came off a game. He had what 110 yards Monday night. Yeah, he had he he had a big name a, a, a big game. Both of those two receivers have contributed greatly to that offense. But right now, it's where do you see Derek Stingley lining up as well? Is he really going to follow the number one receiver? So if your number one receiver lines up in the slot, are you going to put Stingley on him, and then you're going to have maybe Desmond King if it's a three wide out set, three four wide out you know play. Will Desmond King be lined up outside? All of those things are interesting, and that's why I think this is going to be the first real test for this defense. They're going up against a couple of guys that are monsters at receiver. And then you mentioned KJ. KJ is one of those players that he can just kind of get in where he fits in. Don't forget, Beck had caught a very good pass last night, Monday night, against the Seattle Seahawks. And so Russell's going to find his players, but at the wide receiver position, Nathaniel Hackett, who's coming over from Green Bay, he's going to find ways and matchups to get those receivers involved. And if it's in the outside, well, it'll be on the outside. But as we saw against the Seahawks, Jerry Judy was lined up a significant amount of time as a slot receiver and made plays for him as well. That may be uh, where Russ Wilson may really like him with some of those matchups. Price Picks is daily fantasy made super easy. You can pick up to two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Price Picks projections, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Football. Hey, man, 
Vinny Iyer got over two decades of NFL expertise, hmm. and he's always going to give you the unique angle that no one else has to give you the opportunity to make the moves no one else is thinking about. Get ready for your fantasy draft for Locked On Fantasy Football. And shout out to Vinny Iyer, man. You know, <laughs> I went 3-0 and in my fantasy leagues my first week, hmm. and I have a team. I have two teams. I don't know how this happened. But I have two teams that feature Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown. I'm 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 fairly proud of one team. I got Antonio <laughs> Gibson, Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown on one squad, and then another squad I got this one I killed in. Uh Justin Herbert, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Justin Jefferson, mm. AJ Brown, Dalton Schultz. David Montgomery on my bench. Uh, St. Brown, the rookie wide receiver. Oh, actually, this is his second year. The wide receiver out of Detroit. Um, Robert Woods, which he ain't give me nothing. So I got to make some moves in that one. But my, I'm, I'm very top heavy. But we got to talk about the linebackers, man. They, they will have a tough task on Sunday against the Broncos. And we talked about how they got to play their assignments. Right now, this is the moment in time where I think a lot of people are trying to figure out when will Garrett Wallow be on the field? When will he get active? When will he be able to play? Because we've talked widely about how Garrett Wallow may be the best coverage linebacker that we've seen play for the Texans because mm-hmm. of his you know safety background coming down to play some of that Sam. Kevin Pierre-Lewis was out there to start the game for the Houston Texans on Sunday. Uh Two attempts his way, no pass catches allowed. So shout out to KPL. I, I didn't think that he had it in him, but he made a couple of good plays. However, this is a linebacker core that at times struggles with getting depth in coverage. And that's not an issue of Gary Wallows from the sample size plan that we've seen. And so now for me, Cody, I'm posing the question to you because you're out there. When will we see Gary Wallow play football for the Houston Texans? I'm not sure to be honest with you. Um, there's no timetable for his ret- for his return. The best thing about it is he's not on IR, so That's he great. could return to practice starting today. As a matter of fact, I'll be out there. You know, eight o'clock today, I could probably see him back out there on the field, um, or he could come back next week. But the one thing you have to keep in mind, whenever Garrett come back, he's going to be in a Texan slow ramp up period. So, and for those of you guys who don't know, um, the week leading up to the Texans' first preseason game against the New Orleans Saints, um, he went down and practiced with a, I think it was a left foot injury. Um, And we haven't seen him on the practice field since. I mean, he's been out there, um, of course, working with trainers. So that's a good sign. You know, the fact that he's continuously being active is nothing that's going to, you know, nothing that requires surgery, anything like that. But um, last thing we heard, he is still recovering from that foot injury. Um, There's no timetable for his return. But, John, as I just mentioned, you know, even if he does come back to practice this week and Lovey Smith wants to throw him out there against the Denver Broncos. And by the way, you heard me early on in the show talk about how the Texans cannot afford to let Russell Wilson just attack their Tampa 2 defense down the middle. Garrett Wallow would have been a great addition to this organization to help prevent that. However, even if he is in Denver on Sunday, he's not going to get that much, get too many reps because the Texans have a 
policy to where if you miss an extensive amount of time, when you come back, you're going to be in this slow ramp-up period. So he's going to be limited even if he does come back, John. So, you know, hopefully we see Garrett Wallow sooner rather than later, but only time will tell at this point. Well, you know what everybody's thinking, what's on everybody's mind. When will the Houston Texans get an opportunity to put Christian Harris out on that field? That one, I'm not going to say that, and he's dealing with um, some kind of soft tissue injury, if I'm not mistaken. He also got hurt um, during that last, during that week leading up to the New Orleans Saints preseason game. Um, with Christian Harris, that one's a little bit tricky. Because I want to say one day last week, somebody asked Lovey Smith, you know, when will we get an opportunity to see Christian Harris? And he said, you know, he's still slowly recovering from the soft tissue injury that he sustained during training camp. But the one thing that caught my eye, Lovey Smith said, whenever Christian Harris does come back to the to the team and he's able to play, he isn't ready to play a big role for this organization. And, of course, it all has to go back to him learning the playbook for the Houston Texans. Of course, him um, getting established on the NFL level because, you know, the amount of time that we missed. And early on in the show, we talked about how important it was for the Houston Texans to have their players out there on the field doing um, preseason. And the fact that Christian Harris, you know, missed half a training camp, the, the fact that Christian Harris has missed all the preseason and the fact that we're going into week two and we still haven't got word on whether or not he's going to play and an update on how his recovery is going. Uh, even when he does come back, come back at some point in the season, I do believe we're not going to see the Christian Harris that we was promised until one day um, next season. And look, there's no knock against Christian Harris, but if Garrett Wallow, a guy who has already showcased his potential to go out there on the field, showcase how he can help this this Houston Texans team on the defensive side of the ball, and he's going to be in the slow ramp-up period, you damn sure know they're going to take their time with Christian Harris. But when you take a look at a guy like Christian Harris, it's understandable because when you take a look at the future of this organization, he is more valuable with his development, especially in his rookie season anyway. So... Well, don't forget the Houston Texans do have Blake Cashman. Um, and so we should expect to see him at some he point. He ain't no Christian Harris, though. Well, and I, I'm going to say this. I don't believe we're going to see Christian Harris this year. I, I want to lean that way, especially when I hear Lovey Smith say he Who wasn't say ready. Not no Christian Harris. We don't know what Christian Harris is. Well, I know what Christian Harris was in Alabama, and it had you coming up here. What was that day two of the draft barking because the Texans had some dogs? <laughs> but, but, but I say all that just to say I think we are going to see Christian Harris. But when we do see him, it's going to be more so on. It's going to be like an experiment on how can he help us on special teams. You know, it, basically like the ramp up here, like we saw out of Garrett Wallow last year, to where we're truly not going to see him till towards the end of the season where. You take a step back for your veterans and you let your younger guys go out there and get a feel. Because remember, it was the same way like that for Garrett Wallow last year. Now, of course, I'm not comparing Christian Harris to Garrett Wallow coming into the league. But, you know, like I mentioned, John, listeners, the viewers, the fact that he has missed so much time and going back to Lovey Smith's statement by saying that he's, quote unquote, he's far from ready. Um, I, we're going to see him, but not like we wanted to until next season. 
Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Texan Podcast on YouTube. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe. Mm. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.